Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Why This Film, the podcast where we reach back into your childhood, pluck out a movie, give it a little rewatch, and then have a chat about it. I'm Emily Slade, and welcome back. You watched it so many times before, and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it, and now you show it to your friends, and they're like, What? What am I watching? Why? The- what? Is what? This? Why? Why this film? And joining me today is Zach from the Two Dollar Late Fee and Podcasting After Dark. Hello. Hi. Great to happy to be on your show. Yay! So happy to have you. And your chosen movie is 1984's Cloak and Dagger. Uh, the IMDb breakdown: A young boy and his imaginary friend end up on the run while in possession of a top secret spy gadget. It's fairly accurate for IMDb. It's pretty accurate. Pretty much what happens. So what's your relationship with this movie? Well, I saw this movie when it first came out, and I was eight years old. Uh, I was So I was right around the same age as the protagonist in the film, yeah, Davey. Yeah, perfect age. And I was, was obsessed with this movie. Uh, and watching it now recently, kind of figuring out why I was obsessed with it as a kid made total sense to me. I watched it incessantly on VHS. Um, I had a lot of the things he has in the movie. I had the backpack with the ball with my name on it. Uh, I had the squirt gun. Um, I had little role-playing figures. In fact, I still have my Jack Flack uh, figure from the board game. And I have the uh, cartridge from the video, from the movie. And I have the actual board game itself from Milton Bradley back in the day. Oh, or wow. no, Ideal. Yeah, so I was a, I'm a huge, obsess, obsess, uh, huge uh-huh. obsession on this movie. Um, and then I just realized my dad during that time looked like Dabney Coleman, the dad in the movie. And uh-huh. my parents were divorced when I was a little kid. Uh, so I saw my dad on the weekends and... He was uh, he was a firefighter and a military guy, and so in many ways, I was like, "Wait, I was totally Davy, and I wanted my dad." And he was like, "You know, we're not playing with these toys anymore, and put your He-Man toys away." And I'm like, "Come on, just play with me, Dad." <laughs> totally relating to that, and I was on my own a lot, so I would you know have my own imaginary world. That's my relationship with this film. It's a very oh close relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so deep. This movie is your life. By the looks of it, sounds of it, yeah. everything. Yeah, outside um, of outside, thank thankfully outside of the parent passing away. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'd literally never heard of this movie. I'd never heard of the board game. I'd never heard of the Atari game. Wow. Okay. Cool. Um, not at all. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Yay! Like I genuinely did. I. <sighs> Often when I put these movies on that I've never heard of, and, like, a a lot of the times as well, they'll be, like, you know, a boy movie from the, like, 80s or 90s. And I'll be like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, like, even though I can often find enjoyment in most of them, there are going to be times throughout the movie where I'm like, oh, my God, time to make a cup of tea. But (laughs) this movie, I just had so much fun watching it. And I, I think it helped that within the first 10 minutes I was like, is that Henry Thomas? It's Henry Thomas. <laughs> From E.T. Um, fame, yeah. I love him. And I've only just made the connection that Henry Thomas, who is the kid from E.T., is also the dad in Haunting of Hill House, and he's, like, yep. still acting today, which is, like, so lovely. Um, he's brilliant. He's an excellent actor, and he's so watchable and endearing and charming. Um, and just such a cool premise. And, I mean, we'll go through the movie, but... Um, yeah, it just, it didn't linger too long on anything. It kept you riveted. It, like, had a really cool premise. And I read somewhere that it was known as, like, a oh, just a really big um, 
commercial for Atari. Yeah. But as yeah. someone that has no idea what Atari is, is it like a Mega Drive, like a like an old fashioned games console? Yeah, it's 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 pretty much the first major game console that came out back in the eighties, and um, the 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 game that came, I think. This game, the Cloak and Dagger, this is just a, a fake cartridge. It's like a prop. Um, uh. So, you know, it, it, it's not like... The, the, I think the, ga- the, ga- the game never came out for the movie. I know it never right. was a tie-in. However, E.T. came out for Atari, and it, it bombed. It was, it's considered one of the worst video games in the history of video games. And, really? Yeah, and I read that same thing, too, you said about uh, kind of being a big commercial for Atari... I had no problem with that as a kid, and I still don't now. Yeah. I mean, like, look, if <laughs> yeah. if, if something's going to market towards me, as long, as long as it's cool, I don't care what it is. <laughs> so. Exactly. I, this is the thing. When I read that, I was like, I mean, I guess if, you, like, sure, whatever. But, like, they still managed, as you say, to give a, us a good ride along this commercial. Whereas you look at something like most of the stuff Michael Bay puts out, which is just pure capitalist marketing to all of these different brands. Yeah. I don't want a Beats speaker because i watched transformers i'm just like michael bay you fucking twat get out of here but with this i was like ah, oh, because it still had that wonderful mixture of like because you know that was the whole thing of like oh no video games and like half the movies were being like hooray video games and half the movies were like you should still read and this yeah. had that yeah. kind of great mixture of both where he was like out the house and playing yeah but also, it was kind of like a video game. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. It's, I'm yeah, I really really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that because watching it again recently, I felt the same way too. That I love the fact that you know there's a scene in the movie where he's playing with his action figures in his bedroom and and uh, and just kind of going down that world of like make believe, and it is all about make believe. Video games were like, yeah. you know, the next evolution of make believe, where it was kind of. Even though it was all laid out for you, you're still playing the game. You're still a part of the game. And mm-hmm. I love in those in those first maybe five or ten minutes of the movie, it says game start. It flashes that on the screen like, okay, here we go. We're in a, this yeah. world of make-believe. And, I'm, you know, when you, when you break it down. But, um, yeah, I just love the idea that, that, uh, that he's, he's a typical kid of the 80s. And in a weird way, I think mm-hmm. audiences who are not familiar with the 80s and maybe are were raised on stranger things will watch this and go whoa <laughs> this is like stranger things this is so cool like, yeah. well, actually this is yeah. pretty accurate for what was happening back then so mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. um and it has such a great through line of like uh heart and themes of like family um like i i was crying by the end me like, too <laughs> me too i got crying. emotional <laughs> It's so good. And it took me until the end, this is so, so dumb, to realize that um, we have that wonderful father multi-rolling thing that you get in, like, Jumanji and um, Peter Pan all the time, where Jack, the secret agent, is played by the same actor that plays his dad. And I'm an idiot because then there's there's a scene on the plane where... Um, he goes through this whole emotional thing where he like gets rid of Jack and he doesn't want to see Jack anymore after yeah. something happens. And I was so confused by it. I was like, why? We? I don't feel we've earned this. Like, I don't know where this is going. Mm. And then, of course, he reunites properly with his dad and has that whole moment in that... Because the movie's like an hour and 40 and these yeah. kind of movies tended to be an hour and 30. Yeah. And I know where that extra 10 minutes was and it was in that sort of father reveal yep. thing yep. near the end. And I'm just an idiot for not understanding the multi-rolling was going on because oh. then it makes complete sense for them to get rid of Jack to be replaced by his dad. But at the time I was like, the dad isn't part of this story. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, it's an interesting <laughs> shift in the movie because up to, up up until that point when he basically lets go of Jack and, and connects with his dad, it's this psychologically loss of innocence, you know, that what once mm. reality has set in and he, and I don't know how much you want to reveal on the show, but what, when, when he has this moment of like, well, that's when you have to grow up and he's, he's thinking, wait, this is all just make-believe. This isn't real anymore. And there's a line that um, Dabney Coleman's character, Jack Flack, says... Um, He's like, I always, I always hate 
leaving when they stop believing. And, oh, it just got oh me, you know, because it, it's as yeah. a kid, I remember that shift of when I suddenly wasn't a, yeah. wasn't a kid anymore. And I stopped playing with my toys mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm not going to I'm going to I'm, I'm going to leave all that behind now as a dad. And I've got a five year old son and he is super into make believe. And I'm going back into that world uh, and I get, oh the, you know, and being a voice actor, having to getting to play all the time when I'm reading my my scripts. Uh, it, it, Mm -hmm. it's this, I'm getting to reconnect with that part of my, my youth that I didn't want to have leave, you know? And so when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, it's so, it's such a kick to the stomach because it's like, yeah, he's seen too much real reality to not, he lost his, he lost touch with his make-believe, you know, the fantasy world. Yeah. It's so true. It's like real Toy Story vibes of that, like, you've got to grow up now. And um, yeah, I'm gonna spoil this movie. So if you don't, if you want to watch this movie and not have this bit spoiled, stop listening. <laughs> but I'm gonna go ahead and say it because I did write extensive notes on this moment. Awesome. Um, it begins with my notes go, Jesus, this is horrid. Do not shoot him. And then in caps lock, yo, what? Because he kills a man. Yeah. Henry Thomas kills a man. Yeah. At age like nine, yeah. and it's not like make-believe it's not like in some different realm where it didn't happen they talk about pulling the corpses out of the lake he's nine and he killed a man like what and then it i I mean it's brilliant states because then we go through this like severe loss of innocence and this severe immediately having to grow up in a way that like bastion just like you know (laughs) saved a a world and rode a luck dragon and got over his like parent death (laughs) this one killed a guy (laughs) like come on yeah it's insane tom holland who wrote this movie uh he directed child's play he directed um fright night fright night's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite horror films of all time and so his his edginess was really apparent in this film for like a border it's a kids yeah. film but it really for me it like translates really well for adults as well because i think they can relate 100%. to it and yeah this idea of like yeah he well first of all he sees uh one of his best buddies dead in a tr- in trunk of a car and he's got a lay down next to him <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know whoa this is not a kids movie it's not because my wife my oh, wife goes yeah. are we gonna show this to our son i'm like yeah not yet not yet. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'd be interested to know what the rating is because um, PG. Yeah, I think that's why I found it <laughs> PG. Jesus Christ! I think that's why I found it so enjoyable coming to it as like a twenty-eight-year-old because I was like, oh yeah, like, and I try and watch these movies from a child's point of view, but I can't help being an adult sometimes. And yeah. having this wonderful friend, like he's the first character that we like meet in this in this film. His, like, geeky best friend that, like, lives in the basement of whatever and he, like, plays the games <laughs> with. And then he gets shot in the head and thrown in the trunk and he's, like, bundled in with him. And, and he doesn't even really have a reaction when he sees the corpse. No. He's just like, right, gotta gotta get through this, gotta carry on. And, I mean, when you step back as an adult and look at that, you're like, this is tragic. Like, this is really tragic. Yeah. And then... It makes it even more poignant when he is, like... We say reunited. They were never really apart, but maybe emotionally reunited with his father at the end because you're, like, you're safe. Like, there is someone to look after you. You don't have to, like, burden... Carry this burden by yourself. Like, talk to him and go and see a therapist. (laughs) I know. Yeah, because there's a big piece of that where, you know, he... the, the, The movie opens up. In the first 15 minutes, you find out that his mom is dead and... And, the, and it's, his dad is raising him on his own and he's kind of and the, and the dad's having an equally hard time with the whole situation because it sounds like it, it happened mm. fairly recently. Um, and, and there's that sweet moment where he asks his dad if he can sleep in his bed with him at, that night. He's like, can I can I sleep in your bed tonight? And it's just a, a warm moment of like, oh, yeah, because he's still a kid. You know, he's yeah. he's running around shooting guns. And, and we have to I have to say. Being a child of the 80s. Uh, growing up during a, a very different time than it is now, you know, running around with a gun in my hand, a plastic gun, was like not a big deal, you know, and, and, and thinking I was on a secret mission and having to get Twinkies at a store, you know, for my buddy. <laughs> I, I didn't get to do that, but I, I was I was always envisioning like going on a mission. Whenever I went outside on my own, it was it was some sort of like, it was a movie, it was a TV show, it was a cartoon. 
I was living vicariously yeah. through the characters I loved. And yeah, his uh, the, in the 80s, there were these great bookstores in the mall. Like, I think it's called the Game Wizard or Game Genie or something like that. Anyways, that store, I remember going to that. That's a chain. And I would go in there and they would have every role playing game you could think of. And the movie opens with a role playing game, right? And that is so yeah. popular right now with everybody getting back into RPG games and yeah. uh, mostly Dungeons and Dragon inspired. But so, uh, yeah. And I have like a spy set, clearly, because I have the Jack Flack figure. <laughs> um, but which is so, I'm like, I can't believe I saved this. Um, but I, I loved spy and espionage type stuff because it was, it was like, well, this is what kids become. And I think I, I had this. I teetered on this side of like, well, yeah, dragons are make-believe. That can never really happen. And I'm never going to meet a cave with a 12-sided wizard. And it's not going to happen. <laughs> but I might get older and be a spy and have to battle like, you know, bad guy, real bad guys with guns. And so watching this, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm Davey. And I don't have a friend that's a girl. And that was the other thing, too. Like his best friend, Kim. Yeah. She's around the same age. And I'm, I'm kind of was at... I'm tripping now thinking that was kind of ahead of its time to have like your best friend is this girl versus, and there was like a little play on romance, just a little bit like a very age appropriate play on it. You know, I thought it was a brilliant how they did Kim. When she first came on screen, I was like, Oh no, who is this? <laughs> like she's annoying. And then, and then within like two minutes, she'd won me over. Yeah, I totally. was like, you know what? I can see why they picked this child actor because she's just, putting 110% into every sentence. And it's working so well with Henry Thomas's more sort of subtle emotional performance. Because um, I'm really picky now, but since Stranger Things, where we've had these incredible child actors do such great things on TV, yeah. I, I do get really picky when I look back and I'm like, ugh, well, you know Millie Bobby Brown, are you? Um, which is mean. <laughs> but these kids do a really, really good job. And they have this wonderful moment where you find out that Kim also has like a single mom. Mm-hmm. And she's like... I love um, that oh, uh, yeah, I like hanging out with Davey because at least he's not boring like the other boys. And the mom's <laughs> like, did you get that from me? And it just, yeah. it's a very small scene that sums up who they are and what their relationship is. And, you know, she's always trying to, like, use Kim to, like, get hook up with Davey's dad. She's yeah. like, no, you wouldn't like him. <laughs> he's like a, a captain of something or other. And she's like, oh, okay. And it's just, it's adorable. And it, it made the character seem a lot more mature. Yeah. Um, and therefore, immediately, again, as an adult, you're like, oh, I'm on board with this kid. She knows what's up. She's, like, on it. And she's, even though every time she hangs out with David, she's like, ew, boys, kind of vibe. <laughs> you also get to see that that's not how she feels at all. And it is, she does enjoy hanging out with him, and she does enjoy going on all of these stupid, embarrassing um, sort of uh, things with him yeah what what i love about that is is that it's not like she clearly likes him you know in that in that cute way uh because she's doing all the things that he likes to do right as as one does when you like someone you'll just go along and yeah i'll play video games with you even though i've never played a video (laughs) game my entire life i'll play football even though i don't even know how to throw a football but 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 it's but it's done in such a kind of subtle way where they don't make her seem like a weak character she's super strong through the whole thing and very confident I mean, she's on a freaking bus at 11.30 at night going to the airport. Right? <laughs> like, wait, hold That's on a second. By herself. Do, why are all of these adults in this world so okay with children? <laughs> just dick- And I know the 80s were a different time. We're, oh, yeah. we're still in that sort of pre-milk box kid era. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, as John Mulaney calls it. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> like... Like, yeah, this, like, seven-year-old girl is on a bus at 11 p.m. at night on the way to the airport. And then yeah. all these kids are turning up at this airport, like, excuse me, have you seen my friend? And she's like, <laughs> let me just call them over the tannoy for you. And it's like, yo, how about we call, like, the police yeah. and make sure that these parentless children are okay and where they're meant to be? There's no um, way in this day and age that that <laughs> could even ever happen. I mean, I, I remember being a ki- kid back then and going out at night uh with my brother i had an older i have an older brother and but not doing anything nearly remotely as getting on a bus and going you know 10 15 20 miles away (laughs) and 
you know, it's it's charming and it adds to the sort of endearing, uh, childlike nature of this thing because it does, even though we're to believe that everything in this movie happens for realsies, yeah. there is still that element of fantasy where you're like, yeah, but like, as you say, like, no kid would be able to get on a bus at 11pm at night by themselves. Like, that just wouldn't happen. But it's more likely to happen in the 80s than it is now. So you, you really wouldn't get a movie like this now, made today because no we just live in a much more dangerous and aware world where... If anyone saw that, they'd be like, this is a sad movie, right? That child's in danger and we should be worried. And the child was in danger. She had a bomb in her backpack. But, like, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's we cool know because. Henry Thomas is a good deal. It all worked out. <laughs> no one, none of the kids died. Just, you know, three terrorists, yeah. four, five, five, like, spy terrorist people. <laughs> yeah, just the bad guys. I loved. And they got me for a while. Um, I'm really sorry if you're trying to follow this movie. We're jumping around all over the place. I'm just yes, so excited sorry. because sorry. I really genuinely enjoyed it. Um, so he's got the... I'll try and break it down. So he's got the like Russian codes in this Atari cartridge of Cloak and Dagger, which he accidentally witnessed like this scientist's murder and he got handed it and now he's got to try and get it to the right people in time and to get it away from the wrong people. We don't know who the wrong people are. But that's, and then we've got the bad people after us, and obviously no one believes him. I thought, I'm so happy that eventually every single person, from the authorities to his parents, were like, oh, okay, yeah, this is happening, and we need to stop this from happening. Because if it had just sort of wrapped up secretly, where he defeated the bad guys, and the parents and the police never really found out that it was a real thing, and he was just constantly labelled as this boy that cried wolf, I'd have been so annoyed. So I was super happy. Um, and he, we know that there's like a spy that this cartridge is meant to be handed over to, um, and we don't know who they are. Yeah. And the reveal is so good because we, we meet the spies very early on in the movie. Mm -hmm. And then when we met them the second time, I was like, my adult brain was like, aha, I'm with you now movie. I understand. These are the spy people. Oh, I'm so clever. But they duped me for the first time around. I was like, oh, cute. A little, like, pedophile joke on the barge there for no real reason. All right. Yeah. I'm with it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was done really well, I, I think, that the, the reveal. Because initially, yeah, they're presented as just side characters, just random people trying to help out Davey. And then at, when you find out there's a whatever like i won't say this but unless you want to i'm totally fine with that uh when you do find out that really important trivia about one of the characters one like a a unique quality about one of the characters and then then when that's revealed you're like holy shit i didn't whoa yeah it and my buddy and i dustin uh, on two dollar late fee, we uh, we discussed movies from the eighties, and but but we did an episode for podcasting after dark about our favorite traumatic movies of all time. And Dustin said that that scene, that reveal, is one of the most traumatic moments for him as a kid, so, <laughs> because he's like, yeah, that freaked me the hell out when I was a kid. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, um, just to sidetrack slightly, I remember going to see the Wild Thornberrys movie Mm. in the cinemas. And it was very Scooby-Doo where it was like, oh no, there are poachers. And you've got all (laughs) of the characters that you're used to knowing. And then you've got like um, uh, Rupert Everett coming in as this side character who's just like nothing to do with what's usually in the main story. And obviously my mum's out there like, well, he's he's the poacher, obviously. And like... Uh my little brain didn't clock until yeah. it was revealed. And then I remember on the car home being like, oh, and then that guy was the poacher, who knew? And my mum was like, obviously he was the poacher. He was always going to be the poacher, wasn't he? And it was in that moment that I was like, I'm going to start paying attention to movies more. Like, yeah. no one's going to dupe me again. And this movie duped me. And then it was when they had the same camera case in the place. I was like, I see what you're doing, movie. I'm an adult. Me. Well, it's really um, it's done really well. I think a, you 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 got is. duped as an adult. I think <laughs> I you show this movie to, movie to kids now. I think they would still be like, wait, no, because you would never suspect who is who ends no. up being the the main spies. And I think that's what I loved. I loved the casting. I loved the idea behind it. Yeah. I loved how long they pushed it, and I loved how cleverly they played it out. It's so innocent right up until that massive reveal and. You're right, I completely understand why it traumatized him. If I'd have seen that as a kid, I'd have been <laughs> um, exactly the same. You know, it's like Treasure Island almost 
yeah. type reveal where you're like, <gasps> it's so yeah. good. Because I, I, I was looking at it, I paused it, and I'm like, are those, is is that a real, is, like, is that a prosthetic hand, or is that yeah. real, legit? I think it might, might have been a legit, they found some person's hand to look that way. Amazing. Because, <laughs> yeah, it does, it looks, it looks so good, and I think that's the reason why as well, because it's not something that you tend to see on in everyday life and you especially don't get to see it a lot in the movies yeah um it is quite a shocking image as well where you're like oh it's different and it's jarring with me because it's different and we've been told that it's bad yeah therefore all of these things are coming in um yeah without obviously wanting to be cruel and finding disabilities frightening <laughs> well yeah this was the 80s when um, they didn't give a shit about that stuff so they're yeah like, oh, whatever yeah I, I need a, i need a person with no legs there's actually a movie from the late 70s early 80s a kung fu movie uh i forget what the name of it but they found every kung fu martial artist has some sort of disability so there's one who has no legs there's one that has no arms there's one that has um one arm and one leg and they're all kung fu fighters and it's totally exploitation i think at one point there's a guy with no arms and no legs who's battling people with a stick in his mouth (laughs) so it's so crazy cool. to me. Yeah, it, it, I remember seeing it as a kid going, what the hell is this? And now as an adult, yeah. I'm like, that's <laughs> impressive, you know? But um, yeah. Th- yeah, you're right about this movie being innocent up until that point, up until that one point when he shoots and kills um, one of the, the main villain, one of the main villains, who's a great villain, by the way, when when he's oh, about so to, good. when he's telling Davey what he's got to do to him. I remember as a kid, I'm like, whoa, this guy's really freaky. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and that guy is a great actor, Michael Murphy, but... Um, even when he sees his good buddy dead in the trunk, um, it, it's not. It, I think I think he's desensitized to it because he's still like, you know, it, it's just a body. Like it, it's not like he's he didn't see him get killed. You know, Morris is the character's yeah. name, right? And 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 the guy who plays Morris, by the way, like his his name's William Forsythe. And if you don't know who he is, if you look up his resume, the dude has been he's. Like, that is the complete opposite of how he's ever looked in his entire life. Right? This is the thing. I was so confused because I was like, you're telling me that this is this person, but you're showing me, like, he's the idiot out of Jurassic Park. But, like, he's one of the greatest antagonists in cinema. Yeah. And yet he's playing the, like, almost bumbling sidekick. Yeah. Um, Really cool. And, yeah, like... I mean, he would have made a brilliant villain in this movie. But he's so so good. He's so good at that. It's such a believable nerdy role. And that was the first time I saw like a quote unquote nerdy role on screen um, for for a kid's movie, not outside of like Revenge of the Nerds or whatever. But he is totally like you go into any comic book store now, you go into any, you know, vintage toy store. That character, that guy is who works in those places. Yeah, totally like you know where's my twinkies and go get my catalogs and i'm playing my video game and then the only people he can relate to are little kids because he's got a little kid mentality uh but it's so great and and yeah he's working in the back of the the game master or whatever the hell the the store was called as a kid it's like i want to do that i want to work in a game store i want to be the guy who plays video is that what he gets to do all day you know you never see a customer come in and then when you're working in the mall like during the during the day Hardly anybody ever comes in the store, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great character. No, it's, it's perfect. It's it's such a good character, and he he dies. He, like, fucking oh, dies. No. Gets and shot in the head. And, like, I <laughs> I didn't believe it, because you, he sort of, like, sees the reflection in the in the video game screen. Yeah. And he turns oh, around, it's great. and he's like, I told you I'd be with you in a minute. And then you just hear the gunshot go off, and Kim... Uh, like five minutes later is looking at the screen that's now got a gunshot through it and she's like look oh my god what's happened and still at that point I was like Psh, he'll be fine like yeah. he'll come around the corner any minute now and be like oh guys I'm so glad I made it out no they lift the trunk up and his corpse is there with like a bullet wound through the eyeball and his glasses are shattered and I was like, oh, this movie's not messing around. <laughs> no, and, and and that was the other thing, too, I noticed now as an adult that I didn't notice back then or pay attention to uh, was that level of violence in this movie because yes. a lot of people do get killed, but they're always disposing of the bodies right away. So, you, like, the, the, the scientist that he get, that gives the cartridge to Davey falls down a staircase, and he, the body's gone, right? Yeah. Same with Morris. Morris is gone after they shoot him in the head. And then... Later on in the movie, 
um, when everyone gets killed, oftentimes in like kids' movies back in the day, if someone got shot, they wouldn't show the blood. There's blood everywhere. It's not excessive, but yes. it's definitely. And then the scene where Jack Flack, that 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 shift in the moment when when Davy says, you know, this isn't fun and games anymore, and 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 Jack Flack says, you know, uh, it's always hard when uh, leaving when they stop believing. You see him like he got shot up, the the the, the Jack Flack. Yes. Um, fantasy character, and then the, all the holes on his body start draining blood. <laughs> I'm like, like, oh shit! Pouring, <laughs> You're pouring blood pouring out of his blood. body. Yeah. After he just assured Davy, like, oh yeah, he, they 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 must have missed me. And then the minute Davy's like, I, I don't think I should hang out with you anymore, figment of my imagination. And he's <laughs> like, okay, blood everywhere. It happens a couple of times in this movie where there's there is so much blood and you're right I, like Tarantino esque amounts of blood as well like ridiculous yeah agreed um, and it's for a PG <laughs> movie you know yeah which again I love yeah like, me I too I think kids should be challenged and kids should be scared agreed. and it really does credit to the PG rating of parental guidance like you choose when your child is ready to watch this yes. and I think. That sort of 7 to 10 bracket, depending on how squeamish your child is, I think is appropriate for this movie. Oh, yeah, totally. I don't think it's going to be compared to... I was watching um, a Harry Potter movie with my son the other night, and that level of intensity and and, and, and violence, uh, when he sticks the... is the second one, so he sticks the sword oh, yeah. through the snake's head and... Yeah. Uh, and and I'm like, damn, I didn't expect that, you know, because I hadn't read that book <laughs> to him at this point. And and I'm watching that. And I'm watching this thing. I'm like, eh, this gun violence is different than, you know, monster violence. I get that. But watching it with your kid, totally fine. And I think that's what makes this movie more um, accessible to adults because they watch it and they're like, oh, yeah, because yeah. it's not just like a cute kids movie. It's intense when he yeah. throws. Uh, so, you know, he's like I said, I had a. Davy's got his backpack with his gun with his red uh, squirt blood or whatever and he's got a <laughs> softball with his name written on it and I did the same thing and, and you know that scene where the ball goes through his window uh, at, at, and, and, it, and it rolls up and you see his name on it you're like oh shit and then the guys try to break the doors open it freaked That's me the terrifying. hell out when I was a kid yeah it was terrifying it's terrifying as an adult I found it terrifying because it's that classic like uh the father didn't believe him. He's like, oh, you need to get your head out of the clouds, Davey. You need to stop playing yeah. these stupid fucking video games. You need to, like, <laughs> face reality. I'm going to work now. Bye. And he's like, Dad, the, like, Russians are coming to get me. And he's like, I don't give a shit. Bye. <laughs> and then, Come on, and Davey. then, like, it's so well done. They, like, knock on the door. And Davey's like, nah, I'm not answering that. And then they knock on the door a little bit harder. And he's like, nah, you can fuck off. And then the, like, baseball comes through the window. And you're like, whoa. And yeah. then... And then the next thing, it's this entire human person, like, elbowing his way, yeah. smashing the glass, breaking the panes, and someone's trying to get in through the door, and the whole house is suddenly surrounded by these, like, five spies that are trying to break into this house, <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, run, small child, ah! Well, even, and I, yeah. even flashing back to earlier in the movie when... Uh, when the one one of the main assassins calls him and he's like, "Is this Davy Osborne?" Good. Uh, you're like, "Oh shit!" What just, <laughs> uh, mommy, daddy. It's so horrible. And then he's like, "Dad, dad, it's the spy. He's trying to get us on the phone." And then, of course, the minute the dad picks up the yeah. phone, it's like, Boo. "Hello." And must like, have been a wrong ah! number. Come on now. Come on. Um, did you did you pick up on who did the score for this movie by the way the musical score so when it opens it says music by brian may is that yeah 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 that's my first note yeah the brian may yeah that's insane yeah queen's brian may queen's brian may like i love it i'm like good and it was perfect yeah like how did, how was he commissioned into... They just seem like two completely separate things, like a weird Atari commercial <laughs> for cinemas in 80s America and the, like, what, bassist, guitarist from Queen? The guitarist from the Queen, UK. who, you know, like, Brian May, if, if, if 
I Queen was the first concert I ever saw as a kid. I saw Queen when I was like really? seven, six or seven years old. My mom took me there, blew oh, me wow. away. I wanted to be Freddie Mercury when I saw him come on stage. I'm like, I want to be that guy. I want to be a front man who just like doesn't give a shit. He's just he is who he is. He's himself, right? Fully. I am Freddie Mercury reincarnated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he died the 24th of November 1991 at 10 a.m. I was born at 11 a.m. on the 24th of November no 1991. No way. So. That's a trip. I mean, <laughs> look, I, I'm talking. My my son is fascinated right now with with um, life and death and heaven, hell, because he's into, like, uh, Greek mythology and stuff like that. Oh, nice. And so I said, I said, you know, I'm asking him, what do you think happens when you die? And um, and so he, he has his own theories. And, and That's then, so cool. And, and so he's like, well, what did you think when you were a kid? And I go, when I was a kid, I used to think that when someone died, someone was immediately born soon after. And they reincarnate and they re- uh, well, to use a Doctor Who reference, they regenerated, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I figured that would be appropriate. And so they, he, so that's what I used to think. That is awesome. I mean, yeah. I remember when Freddie died. I was, I, I was like the big, in my opinion, one of the biggest Queen fans that I knew. And mm. it was so tragic when he passed away. But that's huge. Are you? Yeah. Are, do you sing as well, or you're like I'm turning it into a podcast empire? weirdly I think that's partly why and I like I've always been into acting and like I've trained at drama school so like my whole life I've just been like yeah it's legit I'm pretty Mercury what do you want yeah (laughs) for real I mean come on if if that would be there's few people in life that I would want to be reincarnated as but reincarnated from that's a great one Mm. (laughs) yeah Yeah, so yeah Brian May Freddie Mercury I mean Brian May they did the music for Flash Gordon back in the day but that was Queen Oh, oh yeah and it was, and, it, and I think Brian May mostly had a, f- a hand in most of that. But th- the fact that he did the soundtrack to this movie, and I didn't realize that until I watched it uh, last night and today. I finished it up this morning. Um, that is mind-blowingly awesome. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I was like, I wrote it down as a, a thing, and I was like, this can't, this cannot be the Brian, the, like the Brian May, like yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna sign on to Skype, and Zach's gonna be like, nah, 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 nah. It's like this uh, huge American composer called Brian May who like <laughs> used to do all of that. Do you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. mm, I this can't. This is my UK brain being like, well, I know this Brian May, so it must be that one. <laughs> um, but it is. That's so cool, and I think it 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 does add. The music in this movie must have contributed. Music usually contributes when I cry. And well, I cried a lot. Yeah, there, there is like a there is a there is a unique sweetness to the music in this that the mm. do, 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 like a very hummable, whimsical tone, and mm-hmm. and when the tension picks up, it's it's just so well, um, produced. It's well so yeah. well produced, in my opinion. I completely agree. It it really sets the sort of vibe of the thing because the whole movie I was waiting for like it to turn around Mona the Vampire style and be like, hey, it was make-believe the whole time. Yeah. Um, Like, we're just kids messing about and, like, none of this actually happened and the camera's going to, like, turn to the left and you're going to see, like, a disarray of, like, stuff that slightly resembles what's been going on but really it was just in our heads. But no, it it actually happens and I think it... I think that's why I enjoyed it so much because I was like, this is really happening and that's so cool. And even though... I don't like guns. I don't agree with guns. Yeah. I don't think children should be wielding guns. Ditto. Likewise. I was still like, you know, like 80s, a kid. Like, I was more uh, fantasy than sci-fi or spy when I was a kid. So I was always like swords and sorcery anyway, as opposed yeah. to like guns or weapons in that sense. Um, but it, it's cute because his gun, as you say, shoots this like red food dye. Yeah. Which looks horrific yeah. when he like uses it. It looks like the guy's bleeding from the temple, like, all over his face. But it's not. It's just, like, red paint or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it just adds to that tone. The opening of this movie, which we haven't touched on yet, is brilliant. Because oh, we're yeah, straight totally. in with what we don't realize is the game. I was like, okay, so this character is, like... I, don't, I didn't... I tried not to read anything about it before I went in. And you're immediately faced with this secret spy, Jack, who's, like, in Russia... And he's, like, making his way, trying to get into this, like, embassy party. And he's trying to stop. And it's very... It was interesting because it was very James Bondy in a very 
obvious unsubtle way. Like a guy like came out of a car handcuffing himself to a suitcase yeah. as he was exiting the car. Yeah. And at the time I was writing notes like, oh my fucking God, this is a kid's movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like really fun stuff happens where he like a woman shoots a gun at him and it bounces off his armor and shoots her and she dies. And I was like, fucking hell. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like Jack is like running towards these gates that are closing down and he turns around and two ten side dice start rolling <laughs> towards awesome. him. It's awesome. And I literally write, um, D and D dice. What? And then we come out and they're playing the game and he's like, Oh, and I, I rolled a ten, so Jack survives. And Kim's like, Oh, what? How how does he get out of that situation? And I was like, Oh my god, this is really cool. This is yeah. really cool. I'm like immediately on board because for a while I'd been like I mean this is fine but like what the fuck is happening yeah and then they bring you back into like it's just a brilliant setup for the movie it completely sets up the tone it sets up the character of Jack who then obviously becomes an imaginary friend Davey um I just thought it was really good yeah what what I (laughs) love what I love about it is 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 it being 84 as well and parody was not super popular yet and it, ha- ah. it has, like, an Austin Powers vibe to it at first. You're like, yes. wait, what is-, is this, like, going to be a comedy? Because it's super comical. Like you and said, that scene where, he's, yeah, he's got, like, a bouncing bulletproof jacket. And so she shoots a gun. The girl shoots a gun at him and bounces off, hits her in the throat or whatever. And, uh, and yeah, and when the dice come down, you're like, wait, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah and there's yeah. this great shift because they're playing the game. And you think, and, and I love, like, I love his little card. He has a... Uh, Davey has like a little set built for the characters and that, that game that I have, the board game looks just like that minus all those extra <gasps> things, you know, oh, so and cool. so cool. And so watching him play that game, I'm like, Oh, that's what you do as a kid. You're totally in that world. And no, my hero's always going to survive, you know? And it's funny you say that about like being into more D and D type stuff. I think my dad, like I said, was a Navy SEAL and then a firefighter. And I think I always wanted to connect with him. And so I didn't have, and because I didn't really connect with him at that time, uh, I idealized everything. So Mm -hmm. my dad was not just a firefighter, but he was the best firefighter. He was not just a Navy SEAL, but he was the best Navy SEAL. And so obviously (laughs) I was going to be more attracted towards stuff that he, uh, that kind of defined him, you know, military and saving people's lives, human Mm -hmm. people. And so that's why I went into this world of like, oh, yeah, that's me. That's I'm Davey. I'm Davey. Uh, And here's my cartridge. And I'm going to go on an adventure. And then, yeah, eventually it goes away. Fortunately, I didn't have to kill anybody to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and like I said, my parent didn't die, thank God. But uh, or, you know, I didn't get almost blown up in a plane. And then my dad coming up. But it's weird. It's such a trip. I looked back. I'm watching Dabney Coleman. And I'm like, wait. He looks like my dad. Now I'm watching him. So I pull up a picture on Facebook of me and my dad when we when I was a kid. He looks just like Dabney Coleman. No. Yeah. I will I will I will show you. I'm gonna post it. I'll put it on the Instagram page. Okay, I will show you right now as we're as we're you know, as we're discussing the movie. But yeah, it's it's a trip and I'm like, wait a minute, why did I know that as a kid? Like I didn't That's even consciously insane. think about that at the time. And now as an adult and, you know, hindsight and therapy and all that good stuff, I'm just like, whoa, that is, that's my dad is Dabney Coleman. So if you look at like the IMDB picture of, of Dabney Coleman, and then you take a look at my dad. Oh my God. Like it's, it's, you know, it's a trip. Yeah. It's a trip. Like down to the shirt, you know, that went in the, in the, you know, so it's like I was the kid and then, you know. I'm Davey, and my dad is Dabney Coleman. So that's insane. Yeah, that's why I that's chose this movie. So I don't know. Because <laughs> when you ask me what movie do you want to do to you know to that you rem- remember fondly, this movie is probably my favorite childhood movie of all time. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, I have my favorite movies that tra- transcend age. This one though is like the one that gets me every time. And it still, in my opinion, yeah. still holds up today. I would agree. It really did. I th- 
thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. There was not a dull moment. There was not a moment that I was like, oh god, this is a kid's movie. Every single scene lasts just long enough and then it moves on to the next thing. It's exciting. The characters are interesting. The acting is great. Yeah. The themes that run throughout are brilliant. Um, I'm kind of... I'm, I'm like shocked that I'd never even heard of it. Like, I'm shocked that it's uh, an, a nothing movie. Do you know what I mean? It's not... I mean, do Stranger Things parody it in any way? Do they make reference to it in the same way that they make reference to, like, E.T. and no. Stand By Me? I don't, I don't think so. Because I remember when I first watched... And I, I love Stranger Things. But I, when I first watched it, and I'm like, oh, that's from this and that's from that, and breaking it down, I don't think they ever really referenced... Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger, mm. like, went under the radar. And even on IMDb, they give it, like, a meta score of, like, 6.4 yeah, or like something. And I'm like, six. come on. That, and, again, that's, that speaks to me going, what do critics know? You know? Like, if something resonates yeah. with you, that's what matters. I don't care if your favorite movie is Xanadu or if it's Titanic. Like, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. If, that, if that's your favorite movie, that's your favorite movie. doesn't mean it's mine. Exactly. And so I'm watching this going, I don't see any flaws – it, it, you're 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 spot on with the idea that a movies movies in the '80s were typically 90 minutes, right? And then this mm. went a little bit over. And yeah, you can see that moment of where that may, they might have ended the movie, but yeah. and and but they had to like wrap it up with this idea of like the father and the son getting back together. And mm-hmm. I would be curious to know uh, a little backstory on that, you know, from Tom Holland actually. We interview a lot of people on $2 late fee. That could be something down the road. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with reaching out to somebody. Um, but, yeah, this idea, like, that it hasn't really been touched on by people. A lot of, not, a lot, a lot of people don't know about it. Uh, mm. I think everyone should know about it because it's, it's a fun, it's, it's, a, it's a twisted kids movie. It is. It really is. Like, as I say, I cannot, like, push this movie enough. I... Awesome. I really enjoyed it, and there's nothing more I can really say on that. And, like, I watch I watch kids' movies essentially for a living for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I have seen so many that... And I, I, I love kids' movies. I do. I think kids' movies are important. I think they're what shape you into who you become as adults. I think they're incredibly necessary and... Um, brilliant and sometimes I watch them and I'm like the person who made this didn't give a shit (laughs) yeah I watched The Wizard recently which is a 90s movie I think it came out in 91 Fred Savage is in it and you talked about Uh, video games and selling selling a product to kids and this was Nintendo Nintendo was selling Super Mario Brothers 3 they were selling the power glove Power right. Glove kind of sucked. I mean, the Power Glove was not that great. <laughs> and they use it in this, like, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing in the world. Uh, and then Super Mario Brothers 3, the big reveal, like, what's the mystery game? And the the, the, the story is, is weak. Um, and it, yeah. it's bizarre. It's a bizarre movie. And there's a lot of, like, just subject matter that I don't think is appropriate for little kids. And mm-hmm. that's who they marketed it to. And I watched it with my son. He, it was all pretty much over his head. He just loved the video game parts. And, it, and that's yeah. all it was. Even where the kids, like uh, the dad was, says to his older kid, Christian Slater actually is in it. Hey. He's like the older brother of Fred Savage. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, hey, you got to come in here and check out this new video game. It's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like no other video game in Cloak and Dagger is referenced other than Cloak and Dagger, which didn't yeah. even come out. And that always... Uh, pissed me off as a kid because I'm like I want the game I want to live the adventure you know yeah uh, and yeah. but they didn't obviously do that it isn't apparently this game is based on a game called Agent X uh, which was an arcade okay. stand up and there's a scene in the movie where you see the the stand up game the side of it um, and there it around the 52 minute mark because I noticed that finally <laughs> he, uh, Davey calls Jack Flack his imaginary character he calls him Agent X for the first time. And it probably ah. was a slip that they didn't either pick up on or want to deal with. Uh, but I'm like, oh, that's interesting because apparently he was going to be cool. called Agent X and they changed it to Jack Flack. Um, also, this was the first movie where I heard the, the word pervert. And I'm like, what's a pervert? Because the, because the elderly couple, yes. they're like, that guy's, they're probably, that guy's probably a pervert or something like that. <laughs> I, 
I wrote like an essay on that moment. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. It so bizarre. It's it's an, it's so incredibly well set up. It's very tense. Davy's like on this boat trying to escape from these two oh, spies scene. that are after him, and it's very slow yeah. because they have to. It's very. It's like a tourist boat, and they're going down the river. And he just keeps hopping seats, and then the guy will just stand up and slowly follow him down. And the guy will be like, uh, "Sir, can you sit down, please? Can you sit down?" <laughs> and he sit down, but like no one's really paying attention. Yeah. And Davy's like sitting up, and then he goes and sits next to this old couple, and they're like, "Oh, look at that! Come here, come here!" And they grab him, and it's quite scary yeah. as well because they're just like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And he's like, "You won't believe me, but that man's trying to kill me." <laughs> And they're like, oh, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, <laughs> cool, cool we cool. don't believe you. Um, he looks like a pervert to me. <laughs> we should call someone. Yeah. And I was like, is this meant to be funny? Yeah. <laughs> is this meant to be... Like, what, what, what was the thought behind this whole moment? And I get it later on, what's happening. But it's yeah. such an interesting thing that they were like, ah... That man's clearly a pedophile. He can't possibly want to kill you. That's silly. But wow. he probably wants to have sex with you. That's fine. We'll deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want to kill you. He just wants to play with you in a real dark way. It's really bizarre. Yeah. And I was like, I really didn't know how to feel. It caught me off guard. And it, it makes up for it later on. But at the time, I was very much like, what the fuck? Yeah. I remember, I remember <laughs> now as a kid, like looking back, and I, I asked my, my older brother is five years older than me, and he introduced me to a lot of movies that we talk about on Podcasting After Dark that I probably shouldn't have seen at that age and, or yeah. in the context. And um, I remember watching Cloak and Dagger with him. And I'm like, what is a pervert? And he's like, you know what a pervert is. I go, no, I, uh, no, I don't. I was like seven at the time. He's like, well, let me tell you what a pervert is. I'm like, oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Just like when we watch Fast Times Richmond High, and I'm like, what? I was like eight or nine. I'm like, what are we watching? Why? Are we, what's happening right now? He's like, you'll find out when you get lit, when you get older. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Like it's, I understand why the sort of sex aspect is always in the higher ratings of things. Yeah, um, but it is funny because it's like you yeah. can watch violence, but you can't watch vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this movie though, like Cloak and Dagger, I, I just feel, and it's it's a shame that there's there's only like a uh, a DVD release of it. There's no Blu-ray. You can mm. only rent it on or buy it on iTunes. You can't. It's like not yeah. streaming really anywhere. It's worth picking up though. I'm sure you can find it on eBay for five bucks or something oh definitely i rented it on youtube and you, i think you can buy it on youtube as well okay um i'm really glad i wanted to see like a, a proper version not some like scabby fuzzy version online like um, watching the vhs version or something <laughs> yeah which i own um, still by the way <laughs> amazing yeah. I, you've got it you've got to keep your favorite vhs's i have like five vhs's left that i'm just like mm -mm, you're not going anywhere yeah, me like too. The original Hunchback of Notre Dame that's oh. like goes fuzzy at one point. <laughs> There's something like, yeah. nostalgic about it. I, I work with this kid. I I, uh, I tutor kids as well, and there's this ten year old who's obsessed with the '80s. Probably because of me, and he's like, well, "I want everything about the '80s. I want a Nintendo." I'm like, "You want the Nintendo with like the 30 games on it all built in?" He's like, "No, no, no. I want the original Nintendo that you have to plug in, like the one where you had to blow the cartridge and you had to go up and down oh to make sure it worked." God. He's like, "Yeah, I want the TV." I'm like, "Do you want like a little mini flat screen?" He's like, "No, I want the TV VCR combo." I'm like, "Okay, if you're gonna go down this rabbit hole, <laughs> these are the movies you need." And understand, it's not a DVD. You can't just push a button and go back. It's like you got to watch the whole thing through. You know, anyways. Yeah, no, like, I get it. Nostalgia is what I thrive on. But there are some things that I'm like, man, I'm really glad that I can be on the internet and also be on my phone at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were given an hour of internet a day as children. Um, and 45 minutes of that would be waiting for the Dolls Mania page to load. <laughs> and then you would have 15 minutes of game time dragging tops onto, like, naked dolls. And then that would be your time <laughs> off. And you'd be like, excellent, time well spent. That was the best. <laughs> Start that modem um, up. And then it's like, get off the internet. I need to call the grandma. <laughs> like, all of that. Um, good times, except not good times at all, because now if something is like 30 seconds delaying, I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, isn't it funny? Um, there, there's a show on <laughs> Netflix or on Hulu called Pen13, and uh, 
and it, Pen 13 is hilarious. In it's about kids growing up in the 90s, and oh, there, nice. there is that scene where they she uh, the mom needs to get on the phone and she's trying to start up the internet or whatever. Yeah, we get pissed off when we see the little rainbow spiral on our computer for yeah. less than for more than five seconds. We're like, w- <laughs> come on, you're not supposed to do this. this. What do I pay <laughs> you for? <laughs> It's insane how much changes. Um, but if you genuinely haven't seen Cloak and Dagger, I honestly, honestly, and I know I say this for like every movie because I love kids' movies, but like this one, like I really can't push enough to you how much I genuinely enjoyed this movie. That's awesome. Like, That's, I'm happy to hear I that. really did. And I think you're right in that it has those uh, adult underlying things where, with like ridiculous amounts of violence and genuine death. <laughs> and the stakes are like so high uh, I think at one point yeah. I was even like they're gonna fucking kill the kid like they're gonna yeah. give a shit we're gonna Game of Thrones all over this place like pff, they don't care we're all gonna learn a valuable lesson <laughs> um, but they don't spoilers um, thank god because then we get the gorgeous gorgeous ending I, and I wrote like um, because you've got the, the spies are on the plane and his dad has come in to pilot the plane to try and get them away with the cartridge in order to save Davy and he pushes Davy out the window and Davy runs uh, following this plane but he, the bomb's already been set off oh. and the, the plane explodes in the distance and I literally wrote a note where I was like I know that the dad is going to be okay yeah, but I am weeping and then the dad, yeah. and that's and that was the moment. It's so stupid. The dad walks through the smoke in this beautiful sort of eighties way, um, with the like exploding plane behind him, just like whatever. It's just a day for a work for me. Because um, he's an air force pilot. He was he was in the air yeah. force, so he's used to combat. So he's genuinely a hero. And um, Davy's there going, Jack, Jack, yeah, Jack, is that you? And that's. That's the moment when I was like, oh, the actor plays the sick guy. Oh, wow. It's only until that moment that I was like, oh. (laughs) Like, I don't know if that's a testament to this man's acting. I don't know if it's a testament to my idiocy and lack of paying attention. I was so obsessed with trying to figure out who the spy was to prove that I was an adult now. um, I don't know. completely missed. There's enough subtlety (laughs) in in his performance. And, And Dabney Coleman, of all people, the guy... You know, a lot of people know him from like nine to five as being this asshole boss and and more kind of chauvinistic roles. And this Mm. movie for me was like, whoa, he's cool. Where they took a guy who looks like just a normal guy with a mustache and receding hairline and turn him into a a secret agent. And there's enough subtlety in his performances of both characters where I could totally see you going, maybe that's not the same guy. You know, and they do really well. This was before they could do like split screens and all sorts of trick photography. And they handle it really well when the dad is talking to Davey and Jack Flack is like, he's not listening to you. He doesn't care about you, whatever, you know, and 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 down to Dabney Coleman, because it takes place in San Antonio, Texas. So the dad kind of has a Texas accent and Jack Flack does not. He's got the American, you know standard english accent all, all american yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's done so well that's great whether it was naivete <laughs> or who cares i yeah. love that i think it really it did add to my enjoyment of the movie because at that moment i was like i was even more overwhelmed because i was like oh, it was the same person the whole time <laughs> that's awesome. ah! and I then of it. course like he runs into his arms and he's like dad dad and I mean, ever since I watched the Railways Children, where she runs into his arms, being like, "It's my daddy! It's my daddy!" I like any scene that's even remotely similar to that. I will lose it. Um, I will so say I now, now back. being now being a dad and loving being yeah. a dad of a, of a young boy and uh, and and watching these, I weep now. I'm just like, oh, "This is how I feel." <laughs> I hope my son feels this way about me. Oh. <laughs> Like, I think what's wonderful about this movie is you can put yourself in the um, place of Davy when you're a kid, and then you put yourself in the place of the dad or even Jack when you're older, and and it and it works regardless of your age because you understand. I really love children's movies that take the time to make sure that the adults' reasonings and understandings and feelings are made clear within the course of the movie. Yeah. So you're not just like, adults suck, teachers are lame. Yeah. And you actually take the time to be like, hey, adults are people too. 
Um, so then when you are an adult and you do revisit it, you can be like, ah, I feel you, man. Yeah, so because the dad, the dad's just trying his best. He's a, he's a widow, and now he's a single dad, and he's trying to raise his son. And he's, he's an airline pilot, so... You know, he's, he's trying all the time. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, there's <laughs> there are a lot of this is an onion. You know, there's a lot of layers to this bad boy because there's, it's more than just and the kid is, you know, he's probably on his own a lot. So he's using his imaginary world and he's hanging out with Kim, probably hanging out with Kim's mom all the time, too, because, yeah. you know, which and and I love the way they like you said earlier in the in the in the cast about how the, the way the mom is like, oh, asking about the dad. It's done in a really subtle way. It's not done in this like, oh, I'm single, ready to mingle. It's more just like, yeah. well, you know, I, just curious. It was more like curiosity. I didn't get this like, oh, let's hook up kind of thing, which would be totally done now. Everything is like, mm. oh, my gosh, you're single. I'm single. Let's do this. Come on. Oh, my God. That's so true. It would have been like pushed in our faces and half the movie would have been taken up with their relationship. It yeah. It sucked. Um because they go too far then where it's like adults are people too and therefore we deserve our own storylines and own relationships and it's like no 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 this is about the relationship between you and your nine year old half orphaned boy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you love him and we love him and everybody's crying <laughs> end scene <laughs> from top to bottom uh, as my good buddy Corey would say T to B it, it is a it's a f- it's a flawless film in my opinion. Um, I love it. I hope people go out and check it out. I hope it gets a new little life. Uh, it deserves a new life. Uh, it doesn't need yeah. to be remade. Don't go off and do the whole remake thing. Oh it, yeah. No, do not remake it. It would not work in a post nine 11 world. Yeah. And there's, and I've read enough things that people criticize it. And there's, there's always something to be criticized about every movie, but, but no, this movie's just fun. It's fun in like a, a dark way. It's a dark, fun movie. And I'm so happy to be able to talk about it because I love it so much. And thank you so much for letting me be on your podcast. Oh, my God. Thank you. Like, I literally cannot stress enough how great this movie was. Like, I've watched, like, five movies this week in uh, preparation for my podcast. And spoiler (laughs) alert, apologies to literally everyone else. This was my favorite movie. This hands down was like I was like this is this is great this is a great movie like I can appreciate parts of other movies and I can understand parts of other movies and I can like you know all of that but this one I was just like I had a good time <laughs> I do not regret the hour and 40 minutes that I spent watching this movie well if you ever uh if you ever need a, a another good movie to to watch and l- let me know because I'm happy to be yes. back <laughs> yes Please do, because I trust you now. I trust your opinions. You can't let me down. Cool, I won't. Um, I promise. I promise. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to tell us about, um, Corey spoke a little bit about podcasting after dark, but you can elaborate on that and obviously tell us all about $2 late fee as well. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, Podcasting after dark is a really fun um, breakdown of movies we were not allowed to watch as kids and mostly focuses on horror and sci-fi exploitation stuff like that um but then my other podcast two dollar late fee is very near and dear to my heart as well because it's a trip down memory memory lane memory (laughs) memory lane where my co-host and i we take a movie that we loved as kids and see if it still holds up today and we take a song from that movie that stood out to us so it's not just the movie but it's also a song as well and the meaning behind that and then we talk about what happened that year the movie came out so, for example, we talked about um, there's an 80s movie called Quicksilver with Kevin Bacon where he's a bike messenger. And Roger Daltrey does the theme song to it. And it's like this hard-hitting, put your headphones on and go to the gym workout song. And we talk about what was happening in 1986 when that movie came out. And uh, it's really fun. And spliced in with that, we do a lot of celebrity interviews. So we interviewed Amazing. Turtle from, from North Shore. We interviewed uh, Diane Franklin from Better Off Dead. We, inter- uh, we're, we have an upcoming interview with Robert Romanus, who played Damone in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, we've got actually some, uh, uh, some you would expect, some you wouldn't. We've got some big names coming up. I don't want to reveal just yet because I haven't you know, officially booked them, but it's mm-hmm. potential. Uh, really great names. And so... Yeah, it's a lot of fun. $2 late fee. $2 late fee.com. $2 late fees on Instagram as well. 
check them out. Definitely check them out. These guys are great. You're all of the sort of um, blast from the past network. Yes, yes. On you, which is a brilliant network. Check out every single podcast available within that network. They're all really fun, all really cool, all up your street. If you like this podcast, you'll love what they're doing over there. It's a lot of fun. But thank you for letting me be on your show. It's really been no, so you. much fun. And, and I hope to come back and, and, and wow you with another fantastic 80s flick. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next time on Why This Film. Bye. Bye. We watched the film and we talked about it, but now it's time to say goodbye. We'll be back again with another movie that makes you want to ask why. Why This Film Podcast has a Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. Head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. For £3 a month, you can join Camelot and enjoy early access to episodes, including seasons one to three. You'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod. For £5 a month, you can join Ferngully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Ferngully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Ferngully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tiers, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. Or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash why this film podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We will be adding hot chocolate to that coffee and probably cream and marshmallows and sprinkles, but you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate. And thanks to my patron, David, for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why This Film Podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long lost movies. And I hope you do too.